Sean Marash time on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go, North America. Oink, oink, it's pork store time. Welcome into the Sean Marash Show on CBS Sports Radio. I am your host, Sean Marash, a.k.a. Marash, where you can follow me on Twitter and interact with the show at CBS. M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. We'll have the conversation going all night long on the phone lines at 855-212-4227. As we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios, millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. A weird Saturday, right? The first Saturday without a full slate of football in quite some time. And it's a sign of bad times to come in about two months where we really don't have any of it. But maybe it was a good refresh reset and you had Army-Navy to wetten your whistle when it came to football. And if you got into the Heisman, which we will talk about in a little bit, uh, maybe that did a little something for you at night. But really today wasn't about football, which was a little different. And you know, I guess holiday shopping and whatnot still took in Army-Navy, which is, let's be honest, it's ugly football, but you watch it for all the pomp and circumstance that comes with it. But... Unlike the last few Saturdays where you've been hot and heavy on college football leading the show, and before that we had a lot of World Series and playoffs as we've gone and transitioned from October into November to December. Tonight's show, while we do some Heisman, while we talk about Rob Manfred basically uh, trying to ruin little minor league cities all over America, we will delve into a lot of NFL football because we only have three football Sundays left. We are done playing Thursday night football for the year after Lamar Jackson and the Ravens ran all over the Jets. But we look ahead to, I don't want to call it a lackluster NFL Sunday schedule. It's definitely not as appealing as you'd like with three weeks left in the season. A lot of odd matchups, but still enough meat on the bone to get you going with some playoff races that need to be figured out. And for me, while the best game of the day, I think, will come from the Indianapolis Colts and Houston Texans. Not the, I'm sorry, the Tennessee Titans and Houston Texans. It seems like every AFC South team is exactly the same. But those two teams will play for the lead in the AFC South, and I've been all in on Ryan Tannehill. I don't know that necessarily going to the Texans and Titans is where you want to lead a national show. So, late window Sunday, the Rams and the Cowboys. America's favorite pinata, the Dallas Cowboys of late, Host the Rams in, let's face it, what's an enormous game for both teams. The defending NFC champs coming to Dallas red hot, reviving their season. A game back with three to play of the Minnesota Vikings for the final playoff spot in the NFC with the division now long gone in the hands of the 49ers or the Rams. Playing in the toughest division in football and now they must be licking their chops to go play Jason Garrett, clapping away and the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. And while all the focus has been on the Cowboy disarray and the fact that Jason Garrett somehow, someway still has a job, mind you, on a week this week where Jerry Jones openly answered a question about whether he's had any conversations with other potential head coaches. And he said, well, just because you haven't talked to somebody doesn't mean you're not interested. Hold on. Jason Garrett's still standing there, Jerry. You haven't fired him. You're going to openly answer a question about talking to other head coaches? And we can talk about the Cowboy head coaching search in a little bit. But what I do find interesting and what I think shows the difference in how we cover teams and what we care about is I don't think many people are aware 
there is suddenly dysfunction with the Los Angeles Rams among their hot streak. And if the story I'm about to present to you happened with the Dallas Cowboys, it would be led about everywhere in America. Part of what's kept the Rams alive going 3-1 and one of the last four games has been suddenly Todd Gurley, Sean McVay, remembering how to use his star running back. And last week, after another big Gurley effort and another big Rams win, when McVay was asked about why he's finally using Gurley the way he's using him, he said, quote, well, because I was being an idiot. He was admitting to being an idiot. Now, people laughed at that line, and when Todd Gurley was asked about it, he kind of shrugged it off but didn't pour cold water on the fact that he thought McVay was being an idiot too. And and there's some self-belief in Gurley. He has to be annoyed by the way his season ended last year, getting hurt, not really being a part of the Super Bowl plans, and then coming out the gates this year and basically being invisible. People questioning whether Todd Gurley would ever be the same running back again. When in reality, it was probably more a workload thing because McVay thought he'd be creative enough and the team would be dominant enough that if he managed Gurley's workload early, he wouldn't be hurt late and be able to rely on him. And it might be too little too late for the Rams. But part of the Rams' struggles this year aren't just the lack of Gurley. It's the obvious regression at the quarterback position since that Super Bowl where the Rams only scored a touchdown by Jared Goff. And Jared Goff, when asked about Todd Gurley last week and Todd Gurley's touchdown, called Gurley's touchdown, quote, vintage Todd. Now, that might seem like a meaningless line to some. Not to Gurley. Gurley took issue with Jared Goff calling it vintage Todd. As if, as if Gurley was offended, and he was offended, that people think he's some washed-up running back that he can't do it anymore, that he's not in his prime. And if Todd Gurley, one of the leaders of the Rams, is feeling this way about Jared Goff, who has struggled, and we haven't exactly heard anybody throwing Jared Goff under the bus, the way Goff insinuated that Gurley looks old and finally was able to turn back the clock, are the Rams starting to lose this trust with Jared Goff? Is Todd Gurley not the only Ram that might be upset with Jared Goff? And maybe that's a problem. For the Rams heading into the offseason where Goff is locked up long-term as they go to open a new stadium, whether everybody's really believing in their new quarterback. But the point is this. Despite being 3-1 and one in their last four games, despite Gurley exploding on the scene, hearing these comments this week out of Los Angeles and with the Rams shows me that the seeds have been planted. They've gone back to the garden. They've put the tomato plants in. The seeds have been planted for a Ram bumpy ride these last three weeks should they falter and people start questioning what McVay did this year and questioning the quarterback. However, with seeds, you need rain. And are the Cowboys here as we enter week 15 amongst all of their problems and the circus they've become, are they the rain on these seeds? Can the Cowboys off 10 days off on Sunday at home Flip the script and turn the dysfunction that has become them, the laughing stock of the NFL in recent weeks, the Dallas Cowboys, despite holding a playoff spot right now. Are they good enough? Can they dig themselves out of the hole and punch the bully that was the Rams in the playoffs, knocking them out a year ago back in the face? Send the Rams season spiraling. End the Rams season, having the Vikings make the playoffs over them. And send the Rams into an offseason of disarray. 
and let the Rams be the circus this offseason and not necessarily the Dallas Cowboys. And that is what Cowboys-Rams on Sunday represents to me. It is a full-blown circus watch. Loser goes to the three rings. But I am not so sure the Cowboys, knowing what we know and seeing the way the wheels have fallen off them, are primed to do this to the Rams. And I want to get your thoughts on that at 855-212-4227. The number again is 855-212-4CBS. Do the Cowboys off 10 days off. Can they do what's so common in the NFL, make it a week-to-week league and switch momentum and put the onus on the Rams and send the Rams to disarray on Sunday? Do the Cowboys have the fortitude to do that? And if they do, and if it comes from this joke of a head coach that Jason Garrett is, can we point to something so ridiculous that Jason Garrett did this week? For those of you who missed this, Jason Garrett surviving this job because Jerry Jones, for whatever reason, doesn't want to put this in the hands of Chris Richard, Kellen Moore, or Rod Marinelli. He wants to let Jason Garrett figure this out. So what did Jason Garrett do today or this week? Jason Garrett showed the Cowboys highlight film of when they were good again. The ultimate, hey, my job here is cooked. I have nothing else I could tell you. My message has completely fallen on deaf ears. So I'm going to rah-rah up the crowd with highlight tapes like I'm a high school coach showing you, hey, remember when you were good? And that was Jason Garrett's turn for inspiration. So while I'm telling you on one hand, the Rams, despite being 3-1, and you can see the seeds there that there's some real problems in that locker room. You have a coach in Jason Garrett relying on highlight films, highlight films, to get the Cowboys season back on track. How can you trust them? How can you trust them? But if the Cowboys find a win, maybe Jason Garrett was a genius after all showing the films. I'm just not so sure about that. And if I was in Vegas today, if I was in New Jersey, if I was anywhere with legal sports betting, well, even if I was somewhere where there's not legal sports betting, I'm sure my money would lay on the Rams' side. But the point is this. If the Cowboys are going to save face and save a season and make us find them an appealing playoff team once again. They still have time to do that, and it starts on Sunday versus the Rams, versus a team and a locker room that is now openly questioning comments by their quarterback. The Dallas Cowboys are lucky they have played in the NFC East all year and that their season's not buried, but because they have, the chance and the time is now to revive things. Can the Cowboys get their season back on track on Sunday off 10 days off off a stupid highlight film shown by Jason Garrett versus a team with a star running back not happy with comments by their star quarterback? Will the Cowboys revive their season? 855-212-4227. That number again is 855-212-4CBS. We will take your calls and your tweets on that next. Plus... Why you shouldn't think you know what you don't know. The Heisman race and what happened with Joe Burrow this year tells us it all. It's the Sean Morass Show on CBS Sports Radio. It's Sean Morash on CBS Sports Radio. It is the Sean Morass Show on CBS Sports Radio. Ben Horowitz, Brian McKeon, a little Luke Diamond on the other side tonight. Graceffo probably on a bar stool somewhere in Manhattan getting the night off for once. 
CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227, is brought to you by GEICO. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Alex starts off the night in Chicago. Alex, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Sean. Uh, first off, I just wanted to say a little prayer shout-out to Dan Gilbert. I hope for a speedy recovery there. Yes. Uh, looking at this Sunday with the Cowboys, I mean – I don't think the head coach, Garrett, has done much with the talent that's there. You look at Dak Prescott, you look at Ezekiel Elliott. Those are some of the top players in their positions in the entire NFL. And I don't think the record reflects that. So personally, oh, it certainly I'm doesn't. For, I'm looking for a complete meltdown, like you said. Sunday looks like a complete opportunity for a meltdown of a team that was supposed to way overachieve what the record says. And... um well, it wouldn't I mean, necessarily personally. be overachieving, Alex. Uh, and also, and you know, thanks for the call. But on that note, I, I've hammered this home the last couple of weeks when talking about the Dallas Cowboys. And I know people might get sick of talking about them, but they're always a lightning rod. I distinctly remember in August when Ezekiel Elliott was holding out, the conversation being, "How on earth can the Cowboys keep all of these talented players they drafted under the salary cap? And have we seen a team ever draft this well that you actually have this question of not keeping them all?" And if that was the conversation in August, you can't get to December, have seven losses, while most of these guys, these talented guys, have been healthy all season long, albeit Amari Cooper, not a draft pick, has been pretty much banged up, but he's still done a nice job. You can't then spin it with seven losses that, well, this was just a tough year or whatever, playing in that lousy division. This has been a complete underachievement season and really an unacceptable season for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the big truck drivers in Dallas, I have a feeling that's not on his birth certificate, but we'll put him up anyway. The big truck driver, how are you? Hey, man. Hey, Morass, I'm well, man. And thanks for taking my call. I'm in my truck now. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Where we at it? Man, we just riding around Dallas all night. Okay. All right. All but right. Morass, this, this is it. This is it. If you look at them Cowboys' track record of what they've done this year, they've lost against winning teams. Oh, sure. They won against losing teams, and basically, and, Morass, and their wins have been against some of the worst teams in football. By the way, there you go. And Morass, I'm not saying that anything can't happen. I'm not saying that the light switch can't turn on. But from what we've seen, you know, I'm not anticipating it turning on. But you know, I go back to them Giants, though, man. In 2012, they limped into the playoffs with nine and seven records. Right, it was 2011 the Super Bowl. 2011, they were seven and seven. Before playing the Jets on Christmas Eve and the Cowboys on New Year's Day, won both games and never lost again the rest of the year. So anything can happen, Mirage, but if you really just take a look at the blueprint of what has happened this year concerning them Cowboys, man, I, I just got to say, hey, man, I'm not looking forward to seeing the Cowboys, you know, do too much. I don't know. I don't, no, no, and big truck driver, look, stay safe on the roads. I get your point, and I'm not telling you to have complete and utter faith in the Cowboys. You'd be crazy to do that. I think the point is many people are going to look at this game on paper, and I'm one of them too, so I'm kind of half-toe in the water here and go, Rams are red hot, Dallas Cowboys are a disaster. I'm also a smart enough football fan to know this league changes week to week, and I'm reading a story out of L.A. that hasn't been discussed enough where you have a running back who's annoyed with what seemingly could have been a meaningless comment with a quarterback who struggled all year. That is the signs of a little bit of dysfunction in a locker room. So despite the 3-1 play, you know, if the Cowboys find a way 
to maybe put a little doubt in the Rams' heads, this might have been a little, not as easy a week for the Rams as people are thinking while everybody's focused on Dallas. Jay is in Dallas. Jay, you're on CBS Sports Radio. How are you? Morant, man, I love listening to you, man. But I'm going to tell you, man, look, everybody in Dallas, I li- I'm a Steelers fan, but I live in Dallas now. But I'm going to tell you, people in Dallas are delusional. Okay, so think about this Dallas team. You have a fourth-round draft pick quarterback who fell in your lap. You just traded for Amari Cooper last year. Right. I mean, what, what was the big – I mean, when people say this team is loaded with – I mean, there's no – this is a put-together job here. This team isn't low. They paid a bunch of guys and put this team together like yesterday. Your fourth-round draft pick is your – no one saw this coming. Jerry didn't see it coming. Jason didn't see it coming. But everyone said – yes, yes, Dak has – oh, he has done – Absolutely amazing. Yeah, you drafted Zeke, good pick for that in the fourth round. But nothing else you have drafted that's it. Van Der Esch and Jalen, both of those guys have underperformed this year. Yeah, Van Der Esch has been banged up a bunch, though, too. They have. And, but, oh, man, but uh, Jay, Jay, you know what not, is not being talked about either? How about a little step back for the Cowboys' offensive line? Not exactly what it's been the last couple of years, either. The highest paid line in the league. Yes. The highest paid line. In now, the, look, there's a lot of bad offensive lines, and I'd still take the Cowboys, but the Cowboys' offensive line hasn't been this fortress like it's been. Well, Moran, tell me, tell me I'm not right on that. They have their fourth-round draft pick as their star. I mean, that franchise guy now. Yeah, I mean, uh, but Jay, Jay, to that point, and thanks for the call, I mean, Russell Wilson was taken in the third round. Yes, generally speaking, you're going to look to take a quarterback in the first round, build your franchise around him, but that... <laughs> That's not a knock on the Cowboys that they took their quarterback in the fourth round. They got fortunate scouting. Who knows what it was? Coaching's work. But Dak Prescott's paid off. That's fortunate that they had that. That's You can't really crush them for that. We'll keep your calls coming. I see you guys still on the lines at 855-212-4227. The number again is 855-212-4CBS. I did want to mention the Heisman. And great speech, great night for Joe Burrow. A runaway winner for the Heisman Trophy. And what a year it was in LSU. Now, there's two takeaways from this. Heisman voters, there were 4.2% of the ballots that didn't include Joe Burrow on them. Look, we've been through this when it comes to writers and the Baseball Hall of Fame, the debates that rage on in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, when it comes to MVP voting, Cy Young voting, whatever sport you want to play, for whatever reason... What is so obvious to people, there has to be people that argue, right? There has to be people that be different. It's the culture we live in. It's the Twitter culture. It's the social media culture. I'm a victim of it sometimes, too. I argue with people all the time. I, I can't get enough arguments, and you know, I will stick to my guns and what I believe in unless I can be swayed otherwise. How you could have the honor and the distinction of being a Heisman Trophy award winner and not include if you don't if you didn't believe Joe Burrow was the best player in college football and you thought maybe it was Chase Young, you thought maybe it was Justin Fields. Fine, I can live with that. I can live with that. To not include Joe Burrow on your ballot, I mean, what are we doing here? And the fact that this is all anonymous and we won't know these people, and it's kind of the problem with with Heisman's to begin with because anybody who's ever won a Heisman gets a vote, and 
Look, I don't mean to be silly, but do we know how much college football Ron Dane was watching all year? Every team? Do we know how many LSU games he watched? I'm not saying he was one of them. Lamar Jackson's been so engulfed in his NFL, but do we know how much college football Lamar Jackson's been watching all year? So, I don't know who were these 4.2% or 5%, whatever the number was, but ridiculous. Now, also, correct me if I'm wrong, but we all entered the college football season, many people believing that we were going to trend down the NBA road of so of it being such a predictable season. Many people thought Alabama, Clemson, foregone conclusion, we were going to end up with them in the national championship. And many people believed... That the Heisman, if you looked at the top three preseason Heisman hopefuls, it was Tua, it was Trevor Lawrence, it was Jake Fromm was up there. He may not have been number three, but he was up there. Travis Etienne was up there. You know who wasn't up there? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow opened the regular season at 65-1 to to win the Heisman. Over the summer, before Lamar Jackson's Heisman campaign, you know what Lamar Jackson was? 101. 100 to 1 to win the Heisman. So, again next year, I'm sure Trevor Lawrence's name will be all over. Justin Fields' name will be all over the Heisman race. But it just goes to show you, sports continue to be a very unpredictable, mystique, fun ride. And college football is no different. We are not getting Alabama-Clemson like everybody thought, and everybody thought was a lock. And we got a Heisman Trophy winner that seems so obvious now, but was nowhere near obvious in August. And that trend is great for college football, and it's what makes college football great. So just because you think you know, you don't know. Great congratulatory ride for Joe Burrow, and maybe just maybe for him, it ends with a national championship and this story is not over. We'll take your calls, continue on the NFL and the Heisman at 855-212-4227. That number again is 855-212-4CBS. Plus, when we come back, Chase Young says he's not exactly committed to going to the NFL yet. And people are running with this quote. I explain why if you're one of those people, you're an idiot. Sports Radio. Ah, yes, it is the Sean Morass Show on CBS Sports Radio. As I mentioned, you can follow me on Twitter at MorazCBS. M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. Where Matt tweets in. So people like Johnny Manziel get the vote on the Heisman winner. I'm not saying it was him, but can you see somebody like that just being a hater? Yeah, I, look, I think I would like to think that anybody who's gone through the honor of winning the Heisman would understand how special a moment that is for somebody. So I'm not convinced that Johnny Manziel will be a hater. But what I, I do question is, again, how much college football is Johnny Manziel watching when he casts a vote for the Heisman? I've also been getting trolled by this Randy, who, quite frankly, not so smart, from Cleveland. Uh, how's Danny Stiff doing? Lost nine in a row? What? So apparently he has a problem with the fact that Daniel Jones has been a pretty good rookie quarterback for the Giants and not understanding the team stinks around him. Uh, while, I guess, just deflecting and not understanding the Browns have been one of the biggest disappointments in football. John tweets in, JC, what's your opinion of a 7-9 team or an 8-8 eight eight team winning the NFC East? 
I hope they put the Bears or Rams in the playoffs instead. Should be the six best teams in the playoffs. Okay, well, I have a lot of thoughts on the reseeding of the playoffs, and I'm going to get to them a little later in the show, but just a quick brief overview. We tend to overly freak out when it comes to records and sports, and what is happening with the NFC East this year is so rare. In fact, we only saw it a couple years ago happen with Carolina. We saw it, obviously, with the Seahawks, but this is not an every-year thing. Let's stop looking to eliminate teams because the division was bad. You're playing your way out of the division first. And, I, again, I will expand upon this a little later on in the show. Your phone calls are still coming in at 855-212-4227. That number, again, is 855-212-4CBS. Scott is at Boston. Scott, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's up? How are we doing tonight? What's going on, Scott? How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. Just a couple quick comments on the Pats, all right? Okay. Um, yeah, let me just get through this quick. I'll get about 30 seconds here. All right. I, well, you've used 10 of them. <laughs> I, I can't believe how many people are counting the tats out, okay? These empty allegations are only firing up Belichick and Brady. They're only going to flex their muscles tomorrow. Watch them beat Cincinnati 47-6. to six. No I'll way. Think- They'll kill the Bengals? No team ever does that. Well, they're just going to show they're not done. Hold on. Here comes the meat of the call. <laughs> I'll take Belich- I'll take Belichick versus anyone the second time around, meaning Lamar Jackson or KC. They will destroy KC when they see him in Foxborough. And if they happen to see Baltimore again, Belichick will be ready. This defense is Super Bowl caliber, and the offense is going to gel at the right point about playoff time. I'm sorry, America, but the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl again. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Enjoy the greatness because it is it is coming towards the end. But uh, how many times have you seen it, guys? We're going on 20 years of it. The Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. The offense is going to gel at the right time. They're well, Scott, shut Scott, down. Scott, 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 Scott. Let me just interrupt you for a second. All Please right? do. Fine. All right, just lower your radio for a second because I'm getting a little bit of an echo. I, uh, I actually find this interesting because I – I tend to laugh at the the Patriot demise a lot in the end, but I will say this. I think you have a point. I, I would take Bill Belichick, too. I, I have my questions about how Bill Belichick will play Lamar Jackson defensively a second time around. I would not count the Pats' defense out. It's hard for me to bet on Andy Reid beating the Patriots and that defense. I totally agree with you, and I think the Patriots could win the Super Bowl, and if they do, I think Brady's year will look a lot like Trent Dilfer's year in the year 2000. I think it's totally on the table that the Patriots can still win the Super Bowl. However... For you to just say the offense is going to gel, this is about more than gelling, Scott. This is, there are real problems here where Brady actually looks his age. This isn't about a gel thing. See, a lot of people talk about the receivers, that the receivers can't get over. They're going to be right now, is well, not at this hour, but they're practicing. The real problem with the Pats offense is the O-line. You've got to give Brady more than a half a second to get back and okay, find someone to You're pass. right, but Scott, see, that's the point, though. The Patriots offensive line has never necessarily been elite. I know Nate Solder was a very good left tackle for a long time, but Tom Brady always made the best of a mediocre offensive line and made an offensive line look a lot better than it actually was. He no longer is capable of doing that. You're wrong. You're wrong. He is. The, the problem, see, we've come right. full circle. Well, so Scott, now- we have come full circle because that's the end of the phone call. You're not being reasonable. I think Scott has – that was one of the weirdest phone calls because I think Scott had very much intelligent points in that Bill Belichick seeing teams and scheming a second time around, you would be foolish to bet against him. 
But the question then becomes the offense, and what do you trust you're getting out of a Brady offense looking the way he's looked? I think we've now reached the point in Week 15 where Tom Brady is not going to get magic avocado ice cream youth sprinkled on him. Like, he is what he is now. And by the way, there's no shame in that. He's still capable enough not to throw them out of a football game and have a defense step up and go win a title. That That's on the table. But this isn't a matter of the offense gelling. There's serious problems there because Brady looks his age. Jack is in California. Jack, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I'm enjoying your program very much tonight. However, the last caller was a little annoying to me, too. But <laughs> I mean, he called about the Cowboys. And I think there's some parallels. Well, at least some comparisons between New England and the Cowboys. But the thing about the Cowboys, I think, is there's plenty of blame to be spread around. I'm going to be very interested to see what happens against the Rams because this is their chance to show that they can really play. I think that, I don't think that Garrett is, has as much ability, maybe, as he could have. But uh, And I think there could be some more creative plays used that they are not using. But I think it mainly comes down to performing, and, and the players are just not performing. Right. No, I, I'm, look, the players might not be performing, but the, uh, the problem, again, is a, it's a coach's job to get the most out of their talent. And if the Cowboys are that loaded with talent, as we were led to believe, and I think if we cast a vote, we would say, yeah, Zeke's talented. Dak, I guess people still have questions about him, but I believe he's still talented, obviously. Mari Cooper, talented. That defense was supposed to be an elite defense. Talented. Why do they have seven losses and can't seem to beat a decent team? Why? Jim is in Ohio. Jim, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hi, I'm just, um, I want to point out that I feel like a lot of times when a team loses a lot like the Browns have, they um, it's over the season. But I feel like um, Baker Mayfield is going to come out and win at the end of the season just because there's a lot of pressure and going into the off season on a bad note would be bad. So I feel like he's going to step it up and win, even though it's not going to affect the game, the postseason at all. So you think what? Just because you, you're worried about Baker Mayfield next season is going to now step it up over the three last three weeks? Or what happened all year? I, I He did bad, but... I feel like he was bad before, and now he'll turn it around just because of how much criticism he knows he's getting and how much he's going to get. Well, I mean, Jim, pressure. Jim, pressure. The Browns entered the season. Some people were talking Super Bowl. People were talking playoffs. The Browns hadn't been in the playoffs in years. They had pressure. They were the darling by adding Odell Beckham Jr., by adding Olivier Vernon. They were supposed to be the team. That finally derailed the Pats in the AFC. It was all about the Browns preseason. Baker Mayfield making every commercial under the sun. You're telling me now when the season's lost, he's going to respond to pressure? He's had all year. There's been a major regression year for Baker Mayfield. Now, I'm not telling you Baker Mayfield's finished. Can't be a good quarterback in the NFL. Of course he can be. But that stems from the head coach and, frankly, ownership hiring a guy that wasn't capable of both grooming a young quarterback and handling all those egos in a locker room. Don't tell me now the Browns and Baker Mayfield are going to respond to pressure when the season is cooked. Come on. All right. There was a story on Saturday that I laughed at. I laughed at because it's crazy to me how quickly people will run with something. Go, oh, I don't know. I don't know. 
One of the Heisman finalists, Chase Young. You know who Chase Young is now if you listen to the show. All right? He is the next Von Miller, let's say. Elite pass rusher coming out of college. I mean, you want to call him Nick Bosa? Fine. Chase Young, when interviewed by TMZ, because everybody had microphones in all of these kids' faces coming out of college, said that he was still planning on returning to Ohio State, not thinking about the draft. Okay, so look. Here's a kid who still has the college football playoff he wants to play in and finish his season. He is at the Heisman. He is asked about this. What do you think that Chase Young is supposed to say at the Heisman Trophy when he still has potentially two games left to play at Ohio State? Do you think he's supposed to openly talk about how he can't wait to play for the NFL draft? Wouldn't that be kind of like declaring where the NCAA would have to look into his answers and whether he should even play in the playoff? He answered that actually pretty maturely. So now he was come back on this moment. And he said, that moment was just real spontaneous for me. It caught me off guard. I'm not even really worried about anything in the future. I'm just worried about beating Clemson right now. Again, that to me is as mature a response as you could ask from a Heisman finalist future top five pick in the NFL about his future. But yet, the Twitter sphere ran with these comments. Oh, see? Stupid to keep tanking. Chase Young's going to go back to college. How could people be so dumb and so naive to think that Chase Young will go back to college when there is no chance his stock can get any higher. No chance. He could be the first overall pick in the NFL. He won't be because a QB needy team will be picking there. But that's going to be the case in any year he'd come out. His stock cannot get higher. Cannot. If you are somebody that believes that Chase Young, by saying this, is actually seriously considering coming back to college... You're the type of person that the Prince of Nigeria emails in your spam and you answer and you wire $32,000 to with hopes of getting $70,000 back from a dead grandfather you didn't know. That's who you are. You're who those emails were made for if you're that gullible. Read my lips if you could see my fat lips through your radio screen, SiriusXMRadio.com, all of our great affiliates. 0.00000% chance that Chase Young is returning back to Ohio State. And there's no shame in that. He answered these questions as maturely as possible. As as you'd want somebody to answer. If I'm any NFL scout and I hear the way he answered these questions, I am thrilled, thrilled with how mature he comes across. It is over for Chase Young in Ohio State. There is nothing left to prove. There is no way that he could possibly... And prove his stock anymore. He is not leaving Ohio State. I mean, he is not going back to Ohio State. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? The Eradicator tweets in. This dope at Mraz CBS just said that Daniel Jones is better than Deshaun Watson. Okay, Ben, you've been listening to the show through the first 51 minutes. Did I say that? Not once. Not once. This dope at Mraz CBS just said Daniel Jones is better than Deshaun Watson. I I don't remember saying that whatsoever. I don't even remember mentioning Deshaun Watson on the show. And we will get to him in a little bit. And by the way, it's ironic because I tend to think the overrated labels being not used enough on Deshaun Watson. So if we really want to get me fired up, we could talk about it. 
But no, uh, do people not listen to the show? And they just throw baseless things out there? They they just like to hear what they want to hear, see what they want to see. That's just life nowadays. It's really weird because obviously I, I tweeted something, else, uh, something about Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones earlier in the week. And it got so much reaction where I look at those two guys as pretty even situations right now. And right now, if you had to ask me, I would take Daniel Jones based on what I've seen between the two. But... Daniel Jones is not a big hot topic tonight when I go through the show rundown. It just isn't. Like, he's not even playing on Sunday. Uh, and apparently, people just... Uh, Daniel Jones, is he this much of a lightning rod for people in my timeline? No, I think... But he's it, not Brandon Whedon. Has anybody actually watched him play? Or are you just going based on the fact that you saw him fumble look, a couple times? Look, I'm a Giants fan, and I barely want to watch my team play. If you're living in another city, and you're so obsessed with the Giants and Daniel Jones that you're locked into what they're doing, you need to get a life. It's fan- It's fascinating. It is fascinating. By the way, the Eradicator's thumbnail picture is, I believe, him in some kind of ski mask. Uh, or it's somebody else in some kind of ski mask. I I guess going to rob something. I don't know what's going on there. He is holding a stick. Maybe it's something from a movie or TV show I'm not aware of. But uh, good for him. Good for him. So nothing like trolling on Twitter, not having your face to it. Oh, and putting that you're from parts unknown. So you, the Twitter trolls are out in full force. Out in full force. All right, well, that was an interesting hour. We got plenty of Heisman, plenty of Chase Young, plenty of Cowboys, Rams to come in. Remember, your line is to get involved with the show, 855-212-4227. That number again is 855-212-4CBS. Look, based on Twitter, it seems like uh, the topic du jour is something that happened in the Army-Navy game, but that also comes at the heels of something that happened that came out of Janoris Jenkins, former giant cornerback's mouth this week. Um get to a little moral standard of some some happenings around the football world next. And where I kind of fall on all of this, this is the Sean Morass Show on CBS Sports Radio. More on that. Sam Monson going to join us a little later. Pro Football Focus, a big NFL Sunday ahead. And plus, two weeks too late. We're going to bring that back a little later on in the show as well. It's the Sean Morass Show on CBS Sports Radio. 